Hello, and welcome to the Queen's Observatory Fast Radio Bursts. I am Connor Stone, here with my co-host, Nikhil Aurora. It is our mission to bring exciting space news hot off the telescope and into your ears. One way or another, the Queen's Observatory has continued its practice of sharing the wonders of the universe since 1857. Thank you for joining us in this long-running tradition. Here at Fast Radio Bursts, we will answer your questions, interview astronomers, and dive deep into breaking research. From low Earth orbit to the clouds of Venus, from Betelgeuse to colliding black holes, it's a big universe to talk about, so let's get started. And welcome back. I'm Connor Stone, here with my co-host, Nick Illarora. Hi, Nick. Hi, Connor. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Looking forward to what we have in store today. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Nice to be back from our uh, mini hiatus. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyone who has experienced it before knows PhDs are hard, or at the very least time-consuming. Who knew, time consuming. Who knew <laughs> yeah, that, who knew? right? While signing up for it. Yeah, so um, we've we've been a little busy, and also um, we've been busy working on a new observatory program. So um, the observatory now runs virtual planetariums. If you know a teacher or camp leader who might want a tour of the night sky for their students, uh, anyone listening here, please please let us know about them or let them know about us. Um, <laughs> we. We're really happy to run these tours for groups of students, uh, for for camps over the summer, and basically any any group of kids that wants to learn about the night sky. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that that's kicked off to a great success. Um, now to to sort of get to the main topic of the uh, of this podcast, our listeners who are a little more up on all the information about the Perseverance rover may have noticed that there was something missing from our Percy Goes to Mars series. And that is, of course, the ingenuity craft that sort of stowed away along, yeah. with, along with Percy on its way to Mars. And that's actually going to be the topic of today. That's what we're going to discuss. And it's going to kick off our new uh, ultra-fast radio burst series on future space missions. So very excited to get into that. And Nick, I know you've been researching all sorts of interesting stuff about Ingenuity. <laughs> yeah, so, I tried to do a few things, and it turns out it's actually a very cool thing. So we're, we're going to get into it, and, and I, I hope you're going to get as excited as I was while, while reading about Percy and Ingenuity and, and basically while learning about it. I'm, I'm excited to learn all about it. But before we get into that... Um, our, our Percy Goes to Mars series all happened before the Perseverance landing. So I think we should have a little um, quick recap of, of what's sort of happened so far. Yeah. And the good news is it successfully landed. So <laughs> we have a rover, a rover on Mars and not a pile of scrap metal on Mars. <laughs> well, we also um, have a pile of scrap metal, but that was helpful to land that rover successfully. Of course, yes. Uh, if you're going to going to do anything in rocketry you've got to lose at least 50 yeah, percent of your metal um, <laughs> along the way uh so there's there's heat shields there's uh um, parachutes things parachutes, that the bottom cranes. shield yeah sky yeah. Cranes. All, yeah all sorts of stuff that's no longer useful but was very important for getting that one chunk of 
science onto exactly onto Mars. Um, yeah. Which that chunk is like the size of a car, so it's not a small chunk. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is NASA's first like dedicated astrobiologically focused mission, and Percy is really set up as the best instrument we've ever set to Mars to answer really key questions about the potential for past life on Mars. How warm was it? How much water was there around? How hospitable was the environment for life? Percy is really the rover set up to answer these questions. And with new technology, we've we've really set it up for success yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, I think that you, you put it correctly. Um, if you... If you are interested in Percy and you did not get a chance to to learn about Percy, although I would be surprised if you're a regular listener of our podcast, yeah, go back and listen to our three part series on Percy. And we also have that landing party that we did um, while Percy was going through the landing sequence. So yeah, go check those episodes out, and you will get a better idea of what what Percy is all about. Basically, it's NASA's idea to explore Mars and answer a few questions about Martian climate, Martian geology, life on Mars, and, and whether us as humans, Earthlings, can actually go ever do something on Mars. And so Percy is the next step, maybe the most advanced step in answering those four questions. Yes. So lots of excitement about Percy. We've already produced a whole lot of material the percy goes to mars series and our our youtube live stream of the landing which uh, even though it's not live anymore has great information so do check that out if you haven't seen it but um percy is not the main topic of discussion for today that's ingenuity so nick i think our first question is um why did ingenuity stow away on percy and like where does it fit in to this mission yeah that's, um, yeah, that's a, let's start there. That's a really great start. Um, so Ingenuity is, is a drone. Essentially, you can think of all the fancy drones that we have on Earth doing recordings from sky. It's essentially that. And the reason why Percy took it to Mars is really just to do a test. Can we do a flight? Can we do a launch of something that can fly, hover around in the sky? from an extraterrestrial surface. And turns out the extraterrestrial surface is Mars. Why is that important? Um, It has a few sort of implications to how future missions are gonna look like, but also sort of to try and understand a part of what Percy's supposed to do, that is sample caching, which is collect samples and leave it for future collections uh, to be brought back to Earth. And now if you're actually bringing things back to Earth, you need to learn how to lift your craft from Mars. And so this is really just the first test experiment of trying to understand what it actually takes to lift something from the surface of Mars. Because you might realize that it's it's a really different um, environment compared to Earth. Yeah, so uh, I noticed that a lot of... You're, you're saying test a lot when you're yes. talking about ingenuity. And it really is sort of a... It really is a test. We are we're not expecting too much out of this, except for um, a demonstrator. Really, yeah. Right? This will be this will this will be the first powered flight, and I say powered because there have been other flights on extraterrestrial surfaces before. I'll get into it in a minute, minute. But this will be the first ever powered flight on an extraterrestrial surface. And the yeah. reason why I say powered is because back in the 1970s, 
Russia sent a probe to Venus, which had two helium, two, which had two, the probes were connected to helium filled balloons. And those things floated for about two days in the dense uh, Venusian a- atmosphere before crashing. So we've tested flight before, but not a powered flight. So that's very cool. Yeah. Maybe after our future space missions series, we're going to go have to do to a series, <laughs> series back in time. Yeah. Um, I should also mention um, in part of the where the ingenuity fits in, um, moving around on Mars is super important because we can only land in safe flat areas, but obviously yeah. those aren't always the most interesting areas. So we need to move yeah. around. And Perseverance, I think, moves about as fast as Curiosity at something like 0.1 kilometers per hour. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's a slow and steady wins the race kind of situation because there's, there's obviously no mechanics on Mars. If something yeah. breaks, you don't get to fix it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So ingenuity is sort of a test into that as well. And this is why I this is why we sort of chose to put this episode in the future mission, because what ingenuity will do is it'll teach us what we can better do to design a drone that can maybe at one point of time, go around, fly on Mars or some other surface, collect samples from interesting areas where the drone couldn't have or sorry, the rover couldn't have landed and bring it back to a central base for scientific experiments. So not only just bringing it back to Earth, but if we want to go somewhere else on Mars, bring samples back and actually analyze on the rover, that is something that we, we would like to do at one point in time. And I think that's why Ingenuity was stowed away and it's going to fly very soon. So it's supposed to fly on April 8th. And so that's going to be the first flight. All right. So... Um... That, I think, leads us to our next question of why is it so complicated to fly on Mars? I mean, NASA has a fair bit of money. <laughs> the, the, the Earth has, it has drones all over the place. So yeah. you, why, can't, why can't they just go to the store, buy a drone, and put it on a rocket? Why, why do they need to test whether or not they can fly on another planet? What's, yeah. what's so different? Well, so the first thing is, and and this kind of works as an advantage and a disadvantage, but the first thing is the Martian atmosphere is much thinner than than the Earth atmosphere. And so it it turns out that for us to experience the same Martian atmosphere, we have to be about 30 kilometers above the sea level and fly a helicopter there to to be able to say, oh, we flew something in, in a Martian-like atmosphere. 30 and, kilometers up, where yeah. Mount Everest is about eight kilometers yeah. up. And when you're Planes on the top of there, you're in the death zone, as they call it, because yeah. you can't actually survive. So yeah, 30 plane, kilometers up is way yeah. up there. <laughs> planes fly at around 11 kilometers when you're traveling. So those are commercial planes. The highest we've ever flown something is about 85,000 feet. So give it like 20 odd kilometers. So we've actually never flown something in such a thin atmosphere. And the implications of that is that if you're a helicopter and you have a thinner atmosphere to deal with, you just have to rotate your blades much, much faster to be able to get that lift from from the ground. And so Ingenuity is designed in a way that Ingenuity's blades will spin about like 23 to 2,900 rounds per minute. And an average helicopter on Earth will only do like 500. Okay, so we're looking at like five times faster 
Yep. This Ingenuity rover's propellers will spin five times for every time that a helicopter spins once. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to. That's real fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and some some interesting challenges come here. We're not going to dive very deep into it, but you have to now design the blade length properly because the the blade parts of the blade because they're spinning so fast can break the speed of sound and and that can have all sorts of wonky physics happening that that can just ruin your calculations and therefore the experiments and so this is something that is that can become a real challenge when it when it comes to um being able to get lift at in such harsh environments or such thin environments okay so that's that's one difficulty the thinner yeah. environment but we do have a bit of an advantage working in our favor on Mars, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that is that the Martian, the Martian gravity is about only 40% of what Earth is. So you can essentially lift as a heavy thing as you want to, right? Because it's going to be, you, you can measure something on, you, you can measure something on Earth and it's only 40% of that weight. So it's much easier to lift. Um, that the quickest said, way to lose weight is to travel to Mars. <laughs> Yeah. Anyone looking yeah. for dieting tips? That's what an astronomer <laughs> is going to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and that said, um, however, that said, still, sending things up in space is very, very expensive. Um, so Percy is the size of a car. You can think about a car. Ingenuity still is only just four pounds, which is like two kilograms. That's how heavy my laptop is. I have just, I have a MacBook Pro, and that's about heavy my laptop is so you can imagine that's the size or that's the weight of ingenuity and the reason why they wanted to keep it as light as possible is because the bigger you make this thing the harder it will be for one percy to safely store it and not encounter problems in the flight to mars and then accelerating down to the surface of mars which is definitely a violent event or a turbulent event to say the least uh, and breaking something. So they designed it in a way that it was still light, but you could always in the future missions take advantage of the fact that Martian gravity is much, much smaller. And so it should be easier to lift. Okay, so clearly this drone is very different from any sort of drone or helicopter that we have here on yeah. Earth. So um, NASA's not gonna send anything to Mars without having exactly. a pretty good confidence that it's going to work. So how do mm -hmm. they test it here on Earth for the conditions of Mars? Yeah. So, I mean, a minute ago or a few minutes ago, I said it, it's equivalent to flying about 30 kilometers above the sea level here in Earth. So the most obvious thing that you can do is essentially just go 30 kilometers above the sea level and fly this drone. Unfortunately, that's not possible because, as I said, the record is only 20 odd kilometers. And so NASA, NASA and then in association with NASA, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory has this amazing chamber. They call it the flight simulator, uh, which is about 25. It's essentially a can that's 25 feet high. <laughs> and that thing can simulate any environment you want it to. So you can suck all the air out of it and essentially make it space-esque. Or you can reduce the pressure by taking the air out and make it Martian environment-ish. And so that's the first goal. The way the, That's the first thing. The way they actually countered a lesser pressure or a thinner atmosphere was put this thing in this uh, flight simulator and just emulate the Martian atmosphere, which is only 1% of what we have here on Earth. So imagine in, in a cubic meter, so 
essentially one meter length, one meter breadth, one meter height. There's about one kilogram of air. On Mars, it's only like about 10 to 15, maybe 20 grams of air. So it, it's a hard task, not only to make that environment on Earth, but to fly something there. But NASA has done that. So that was part of the thing. But the second thing is also fighting gravity. How do you plan a drone and then reduce its weight so that the gravity is essentially the same thing? Right. Um, we need and, to get it to about 40%, right? Yeah. On, on Mars. And this is where I think the cool thing came in. And this kind of shows you how sort of day-to-day -day things that you might be using actually can be very important in billion-dollar experiments. NASA just hung it with fishing lines just enough so that all it, the, all, all the, the drone experiences is only 40% of its weight and then have it fly on a 1% atmosphere. Well, I mean, if it works, then... <laughs> yeah, and I, I find that really amazing that, that we always think about these, these, these experiments as, oh, this is so cool, this might be very complicated, but then you really dive into some of these experiments and, and you see just the day-to-day -day things that we might be using for something completely different come in for use um, and, and are essentially very helpful to help us understand things. So, yeah. Well, it's that creativity that also helps NASA um, produce all sorts of crazy new technologies that help us here on Earth even yeah, when they're definitely. focused on Mars. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to go um, for our first break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about how the flight will actually go and what ingenuity is going to really accomplish now that we know some of the challenges it faces. Yeah. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hello. I am just stopping by to let you know that the Queen's Observatory is always here to answer your space questions. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube by searching for Queen's Observatory and looking for our logo. There will also be links to all of our online channels in the podcast description. We're always happy to talk about the universe, and if you ask a really big question, we just might have to do a podcast about it. Also, don't forget the MacDonald Institute, the Royal Astronomical Society, and the Astronomy on Tap programs are all very enthusiastic about bringing the universe down to Earth. Links to these online programs will be available in the podcast description. And with that, let's get back to Mars. And welcome back. So now that we've heard about some of the challenges of flying on Mars and why it's, it's not as straightforward as going out to the store and just buying a drone, um, <laughs> Let's let's first let's talk a little bit about how NASA overcame these challenges and what design they chose for their drone because it doesn't really look like a normal drone, does it? Um, no, it does not. So if you think about a drone now in in these modern <laughs> times, you have just a piece of equipment tied to four blades. But if you Google Perth uh, Ingenuity, you will see that that's not the case. It's actually got two blades stacked on top of each other. And it turned out that um, in, in Martian environments, which is one only 1% 1 of Earth's atmosphere, uh, having two blades stacked on top of each other, rotating counter to each other, would give you a better lift than having four drones going the same direction. And so basically what happens is the top, so if you look up uh, Ingenuity, it's a box with four legs, then two blades and a, and a solar panel. And so basically what's happening is that the top drone, uh, the top blade spins 
and collects all the all the air and essentially gives the bottom blade a sort of concentrated flow so that it can spin and actually generate lift. And so they decided that that would be a much more efficient way to generate lift in Martian atmospheres, which I thought was very cool. That is interesting, because on Earth, when you have two blades, the second one is a little less efficient because it's dealing with all the turbulence of the one above it. Exactly. But in Mars, it helps so much to concentrate that atmosphere even a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and so that, that, that's one difference than a regular drone. Although there, there are sort of future missions planned, which will try and get back to maybe the four, four blade drones. Um, we'll talk about them in a minute, but those will go not necessarily to Mars, but to different places where the atmosphere might be a little bit denser. And so you can well, switch. The advantage of the quadcopter design is its stability. It's very yeah. easy to control um, by comparison. <clears throat> yeah. But but yes, it's uh, the Ingenuity rover is designed for the Mars environment. So, yeah. And um, the next thing we can maybe talk about um, is how it's powered, right? Um, it, that's also a very, very interesting thing. So Ingenuity is right, right now stowed away in the belly of Perseverance, but once it turns on, it has a solar panel. And it needs to charge a whole day, a whole Martian day, before it can be ready for its flight. So there's a solar panel, and then their uh, their batteries attached to basically the main main module, and and the batteries are essentially equivalent to having three iPhone batteries. That's it. Um, so that that's how much uh, power ingenuity needs. But surprisingly, and I think this is I think this blew my mind. I, I was very impressed by that. Most of the power is not meant for flying. Rather, most of the power is essentially meant to keep the the temperature of the internal c- circuitry or the electronics at, at the same warmth because the Martian atmosphere can actually take a big jump in temperatures going all the way from minus 60 to like positive 30 degrees Celsius. And in those cold, frigid nights, you need to find a way to um, keep your electronics warm. And so one way they thought of that is to just put a solar panel and then batteries, and it's the batteries that keep um, everything warm. So you, two-thirds of your energy is essentially used for that. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. uh, that's similar to what uh, the Opportunity rover yeah. had to do. Yeah. So I, I, I still do not, make, uh, do not know the answer to this question, and maybe I need to research this a little bit more. I don't know why they did not go for the same source that maybe Percy has, so essentially put a plutonium source. Um, maybe the whole idea was weight as well. So well, yeah, plutonium is incredibly dense. Yeah, so it might have been too heavy, and and that could actually deter the flight. So yeah, only one third of um, the energy is left once you're fully charged. Only one third of the energy by the time you get to the flying time is is left. There's actually a, a um, and maybe we'll get into that. There's actually a optimal time for ingenuity to fly on on Mars. And so, so they're going to try and do that. So only one third of the energy is left from all the full charge to fly. And what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and fly on Mars at around 11 a.m. in the morning, Martian time. Um, so basically one hour before the sun's at its noon. And the reason is the temperature sort of warmed back up. So you don't necessarily need the batteries anymore to keep the warmth so you can actually focus the remaining power onto flying but also if you wait any longer the heat is going to change the density of the air 
and that's going to pick that that's going to change the wind patterns and so we don't completely understand the wind patterns on mars yet so they found the safest most conservative time was 11 a.m where the density of the air is just right to fly this drone up in space in on mars goes to show you the level of detail that they are <laughs> planning these things yeah, out absolutely yeah so the actual flying sequence is it's is it's only 90 seconds so once it's ready to fly around 11 a.m. on Mars, it's going to be flying for about 90 seconds. And it can go a distance of about 300 meters at a height of about 5 meters. 300 meters is still considerably further than uh, Perseverance will be getting <laughs> in 90 seconds. Yep, on, on an alien world. That's a, that's a huge deal. That's definitely a huge deal, being able to do that. So this... 90 second flight um what what is their plan for their for their first flight like are they are they gonna just see how far they can get or are they gonna just make a little hop go up and back down and not really push it too far what what are they what are they planning to do yeah so on the first couple flights they definitely want to be as conservative as possible and so i was listening to to a little uh thing about what the plan for the first flight is and the first flight is essentially to just take a selfie with with Percy in the background. <laughs> so they'll just do a little test flight, go up and, and just test all the cameras and, and all the circuitry and electronics on board of Ingenuity are still working. Yeah. But maybe as they get experienced with more and more flights in their bag, they're gonna be able to do more complicated runs. And now you're mentioning that they're gonna go up and take some pictures of Percy, but um Maybe this is a good time to remind everyone that communication with Mars takes longer than 90 seconds. It, it takes something like half an hour. Um, yeah. So who's going to be flying this thing? <laughs> this thing is completely autonomous. It can do all of the flying on its own. Um, you just essentially what these engineers, and we're going to get into the whole autonomy part in a minute, but the engineers the day before of the flight are going to just send perseverance a uh, sequence of signals essentially saying today is the day ingenuity is going to fly tell ingenuity to do all of this and then ingenuity just has a list of tasks to do and it's going to do all of them by themselves and so for the landing of perseverance they took advantage of machine learning so that it mm -hmm. could figure out where it was is mm -hmm. ingenuity going to be building on any of that or is it purely a list of commands that it follows in order that's that, that's a great question, Connor. Um, yes and no. Um, so it's not <laughs> going to use the the same technology that was on Percy. So the relative terrain navigation that was there, where Percy could actually take live pictures of the Martian surface and compare it to previous archive pictures and realize whether it's landing on the right spot or not. It's not going to be able to do that. But um, Ingenuity does have a camera on it, and it's going to use that camera to basically map out the surface and basically see where it's going. Um, so basically there are five things on, five important things for flight on Ingenuity. There's a gyroscope, um, which is essentially trying to keep you hovering. Um, there's an accelerometer, which checks whether you're actually moving or not. Um, then there's a camera, which is gonna make sure you're not, you don't bump into wrong things. There's an inclinometer, just to make sure you're actually horizontally moving when you're flying or not. There's a fifth thing. How am I forgetting the fifth thing? Is it a battery? Yes, thank you. It's it's the power source. Um, 
Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're these equipments that will allow for um, ingenuity to do things in an autonomous fashion. Yeah, you could not have a joystick, someone with a joystick on Earth controlling it. It's impossible. <laughs> 20, 30 minute time delay. All right. So now, now we know um, what we want the flights to look like. Let's talk a little bit about the sequence. Um, where, where are we right now in our stages of building up to the flight? And how, how exactly is that going to work? Yeah. Um, so right now, um, the, the drone ingenuity is stowed away on Percy's belly, um, so closest to the ground. Um, it's facing the ground, and it's a little sideways. So the rotors, the, the blades, rather, are not facing up. They're facing to the side. Um, the first thing was really to just go ahead and survive uh, the landing and the Martian, um, uh, the, the the space travel and the landing to Mars, which it has. Um, now it's 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 turn for Perseverance to actually deploy this thing, um, and that will happen in 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 the coming days. Um, the first flight is scheduled for March eighth, um, and so NASA has a press conference on April fifth. Sorry, the first flight is scheduled for April eighth, not March eighth. Um, March eighth <laughs> is gone when we're recording this thing. Um, so yeah, NASA so, has, a, has a press conference for um, April 5th to sort of give an update on that. So I think what Percy is going to do by that time is essentially it's still stowed away, turn it around so that it's in the right orientation and lower it down uh, by that time. Um, once it's done lowering it, so the only thing connect, it's still connected, Ingenuity is still connected to Perseverance by a bolt on, on the solar panel. And, and this is really cool. Um, another cool thing about ingenuity: how do you, how do you undo a bolt in space? <laughs> you you blow it up. <laughs> so well, effective, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So this is a very interesting thing where Percy is going to just lower the drone when once it touches the ground, uh, there's a bolt connecting Percy and ingenuity, and because Percy can't undo it because you need you need to go around, it's going to blow up that bolt, and and then and then ingenuity is free. After that, Percy's just going to walk away, away about 100 meters from from Ingenuity. And then it's it's a long wait-ish, where Ingenuity has a two-hour wake-up cycle. So it's going to take about two hours to wake up and just check everything worked out perfectly. And then it's going to wait for a command from Percy. And so Percy is emitting radio waves, and it's gonna, Ingenuity is going to look for those radio waves. And if it gets that radio wave, everything's good. And then it's going to go into charging mode, and then it's going to charge for the next uh, couple Martian days. And then everything finally... moves moves slowly and carefully in these missions, eh? Exactly, yeah. And then finally take a flight and see what happens. I should also mention that as spectacular an idea as an exploding bolt is, <laughs> um, those those are actually that's that's not new. There's lots of exploding bolts that are used in uh, spaceflight. And they're they're very reliable ways to connect things very securely, and then suddenly not connect them very securely, yeah. which is often what you want to do. Yeah. Um, like when you've got a spaceship, uh, a rocket that's about to take off, until the very second that it's about to take off, you want it held very securely in place because it's basically a like ten story tall bomb. Um, <laughs> but as soon as it's about to take off. <laughs> You want it. You want it to be free, so yeah. they use exploding bolts. Yeah, to blow up the bolt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I find this amazing. All of this sophistication and then just going back to blowing things up to get the final well, book. Well, if, it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All yeah. Right. All right. So um, we know what uh, Ingenuity wants to do, a 90, 90 second flight entirely autonomously controlled. We know the sequence. It's got to lower down from Perseverance, explode a bolt, and then charge for a while, wait for some commands, uh, and then it's then it's ready to fly. And we're going to hopefully, if everything goes right, uh, fly for the first time on another world. Yeah. And and Powered. this is sort of first powered flight on another yeah. world. We and this will sort of open up the door for similar missions elsewhere mm-hmm. in the solar system. Yeah. And I think, and that's really what ingenuity is about is being that pathfinder setting, setting that path for others to walk down. And yeah. maybe we should end off with a little discussion of um, what, what's planned in the future and what is going to sort of learn from ingenuity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we, we, we have been doing that throughout the whole episodes, just looking towards the, keeping a mind on the future and, and saying, oh, Ingenuity is going to do this just so that we can try and understand how to do this better and do it better for future missions. And so definitely the first thing that Ingenuity, and we've, we've stressed that quite a bit on this episode, is to really understand collecting samples, bringing it to a central location for either analysis or actually getting them back to Earth as well. Um, so one of the things that is very important about Percy is that it's a sample caching mission, which is it's going to collect samples and then keep them stowed away for us to go back and collect them and bring them back. So that's one of the most important testing things that Ingenuity is going to do. But then also, we, we don't just want to understand Mars, we want to understand other places as well. And so I think we hinted about the Dragonfly missions. And so the Dragonfly missions are essentially um, these missions that are going to go to Saturn and Saturn's moon, specifically Titan, and try to do a flight there um, and, and understand Titan's atmosphere and, and geology. So this is going to be a very important test into that as well. These are still missions that are still quite a, quite a ways down the road. So I think Dragonfly is not scheduled to be launched until like 2027 28-ish. I wouldn't trust those dates anyway. It's yeah. it's a long way off, but it's an exciting future mission and yeah. that will will definitely be doing an episode about Dragonfly, but I think the the point to make here is that Dragonfly will be learning very much from Ingenuity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then another big thing is that with Mars contacting on Mars is essentially 20 30 minutes. Conning contacting something on Titan or essentially Saturn is, is, is a much longer time. And so this is essentially a test into, can we do an autonomous flight where we just send it a sequence of uh, tasks to do and it's able to do it and how far can we take it? So yeah, that's, that's one of the things. Then also I think there's a plan to send something on Europa, which is a moon of Jupiter, yeah? It's a, it's a moon of Jupiter, which is essentially a ball of ice, and we think there's liquid water. And so one of the ideas is to really send a robot that's going to be able to fly on Europa, drill, and understand the water underneath, if there is. But we think there's liquid water on Europa as well. Yeah. Yeah. As exciting as Mars is, Titan and Europa are really my favorite places in the solar <laughs> system. Um, so... So I'm really looking forward to those, and I really want Ingenuity to work because 
that will sort of start to build up a history of success in flight mm-hmm. and other planets. Uh, absolutely. And, I mean, you've written code before. You know that you don't really trust it until you see it working. And even then you're skeptical. <laughs> yeah, even then you're like, uh, how did this work? I'm not quite sure yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. So so very exciting uh, future that's being going to be built off of Ingenuity. So um, we're really all fingers crossed, hoping for it to fly well uh, in April. And uh, I think that's a good place to end off this, this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll... We'll see you all next time when we start to discuss more future missions in space exploration. Yeah. Thank you, Connor. Thanks, Nick. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Queen's Observatory's Fast Radio Burst. We hope you enjoyed this walk through the universe. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us via email at queensuobservatory at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Queen's University Observatory to stay up to date. If you like this podcast, you can help us by leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. This will help us become more visible and spread the wonders of the universe to more people. That is all from us. We'll be back again with another exciting topic in astronomy.